I'm Tommy, I'm from Lafayette, and I'm not a preacher. <laughs> I'm not. And I want to glory in that weakness, that I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not a seasoned presenter of the gospel to a crowd. I glory in it. Because Paul said when we glory in our weaknesses, he gloried in his infirmity that the power of Christ would rest upon him. Amen. And, and, and I'm trying to do better about the Hebrew root stuff. So I got in my PC Bible soft and I started studying. You can ask me, I had notes just absolutely everywhere. And I've condensed it down to 19 pages of type notes. So we're going to be here a minute. <laughs> just hang in there with me. <laughs> and I was stunned when I read about that. It said that, said that when Paul said that Christ would rest upon me, it was a permanent habitation of the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ resting upon him like you would pitch a tent Amen. on top of somebody. And if you can think about the presence in a tent, what does that remind you of? Shekinah, the tabernacle, the Shekinah glory of God. It's a strong allusion to that. I want to talk about more, more of God's presence. I want to kind of clear the atmosphere a little bit. I don't want to confuse anybody. I think you guys, most of you know this, but I want to make sure. God is always with you if you're, a, if you're a believer. Whether you feel Him or not, He is with you 100%. Heaven has your back. Amen. Heaven has your back. Amen. Every day, heaven has your back. Whew. Oh man, I'm feeling Him now. <laughs> Hallelujah! Yeah, Jesus, I don't know how to preach. Jesus, just come on. Just come on. <laughs> Hallelujah! I got some good buddies praying for me. <laughs> Brother Jason texted me. He said, man, I'm praying for him. I'm on my way to preach at the prison, and I'm praying for you, man. It's good to have good brothers got your back. Amen. We, got, we, got, we got a really good brother has our back. And if you feel him or you don't feel him, he has your back. And if you feel like, oh, i got to go with this now. If you feel a shame on your life, if you're a believer and you're a follower of Jesus and you've got chinks in your armor and you've got issues of sin you're dealing with, just line up. It's me too. Me too, man. I'm fighting them because I love Jesus. And He's fighting with me. He's helping me. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. You have every right to rejoice in the Lord because when you come before the throne of grace, He said, that's my boy and that's my girl. When you come to that throne, that's what He says about you. You can rejoice and have faith in that. That, that. We don't preach it much anymore, but we need to rejoice. And therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. There's, a, there's a, a lot of... Michael, Michael Brown has written the book, Hyper Grace. There's a lot of hyper grace out there. But what it's for is it's filling a vacuum for people like me. For people like me that, 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 that absolutely need to feel accepted by God. And I'm telling you, if you have bowed your knee to Jesus... You're accepted by God. You say, Tommy, I've got struggles of sin in my life. Man, kiss your Bible at 1 John 1, 9. If you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Oh, I feel it now. You, you are not so far. I don't care anybody in this room or over the internet or any, however you're listening. You are not so far from God that He will not kill the fatted calf, put a ring on your finger, put a robe on you and say, that's my son, that's my daughter. You're not far from God. If you are hurting right now and you're feeling guilty, you are not far from the kingdom of God. All you have to do is get up out of that pig pen and walk towards your father and he will kiss you before you ever get cleaned up. Amen. Mm. You guys really want to do a lot for Jesus, I can tell. We do. I, I have a whole series of a whole section of my notes about let me get back to something. Measures of his presence. Okay. I don't want to confuse anybody. If you're born again, Jesus lives in you. 
So when we talk about asking for more, okay, we're talking about a greater coming upon, a greater experience of God's presence. He is with us, whether you feel Him or not. He's in you, if you're born again, just as much as if you were with Moses on that mountains, seeing His glory, okay? Amen. But the experience is greater. The experience can go from an unsafe person, in Him we live, move, and have our being. It says yeah. in the Bible, right? I think it's Acts, Acts 17, 28. All right? Unsafe person lives in the presence of God. He doesn't experience it really too much, but he lives there. It's real. A born-again person, when you make Jesus Lord, you become His temple. Can we shout at that? Amen. Your bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. All right? Where two or more are gathered in His name, He's there in our midst. I believe that's even in a greater expression of His presence. He said that He is enthroned on the praises of Israel, an even greater measure of His presence. And then we have the Isaiah 6 encounters and the Mount of Transfiguration encounters. So what we're doing is we're, we're going for the greater. We, we bless God for the lesser. We, we, the lesser experience of the Christian life is greater than anything the devil has. Period. Yeah, I've walked in it. I, I've, I've walked in the lesser. I've walked in the by faith, not feeling nothing. And Jesus is there in that not feeling nothing. He's there with you. But what happens is He starts to let you feel more. He starts to let you experience more. He starts to let you walk in more. When you're faithful to, to call Jesus Lord and to bless Him, I bless you, Father, today because you're with me. I bless you. I, I, I don't feel you, but this not feeling you, I've learned something in this not feeling God thing. And I'm, I'm trying to talk about feeling God, but I keep going back to this. I've learned something in this not feeling God thing. It is an opportunity to love Jesus when it hurts a little bit. Amen. It's this, I, I'm like, and when a temptation comes on those bad days when I'm worried about everything, and I shouldn't be, but I am, and temptation's coming and I'm aggravated and I'm not feeling His presence, I have realized in the last few months, this is an opportunity, good, I get to show Jesus how much I love Him. Amen. So I resist the temptation and I, and, I, and I get in His Word and I bless Him that You're with me and I love You, Lord. I love You when I don't feel You. You don't have to let me feel You ever again because I love You. I need to feel You. But I, I, You have all of my love whether I feel You today or not. Amen. You know, And you know what happens? He comes to me. His, his manifested presence comes on me. And those signs, you know, may have to war through a little bit, but His manifested presence comes. So you guys are really wanting to do a lot for Jesus. And I, I've, I've known that for a long time. And I think you're getting worse. <laughs> I think you are getting really bad. I was going to, I had a little bit of a section to talk about why we need the power of God. And they're really beautiful notes, and I really have some good points, but I'm thinking, that, that, that's gone. Y'all don't need that now. Y'all already know. We might talk a minute about it, but you guys know this. But the crux of what I want to talk about tonight is in 1 Corinthians 12, 31. Okay? Very, very, very familiar scripture. And also, 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Here we go. All right. We'll read both scriptures back to back. 1 Corinthians 12, 31. But earnestly desire the greater gifts... And I will show you a still more excellent way. All right? First uh, Corinthians fourteen one. Pursue love, yet earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. All right. So let's start out with, but earnestly desire the greater gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. Another translation says, earnestly desire the higher gifts. Okay. There's kind of a, a question that comes to mind when you higher gifts, greater gifts. What does that mean? I'm going to give you a functional definition of that. Greater than what you got going on now. 
greater than what you got going on now, the more, the more. Okay, the, the presence of God is here. We want it to go to here. The more, just like we talked about. Okay, so I, in my study, I, I noticed something that just almost every time it mentions His power, His presence is there too. You know, we want to seek the presence of Jesus because we love Him so much, and we also want to be very, very hungry for His movings and His giftings. But the presence we love, the giftings we love too, I want to set you free to love the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. You're good to go. Religious demons don't want you to love the gifts of the Spirit. You know, the Scripture says pursue love. We, we, I want to submit to you that I, 1 Corinthians 13, folks aggravated me about it because I was hungry for the Spirit of God. I was hungry for the workings and the movings of the Holy Spirit. And in my Christian experience, people took the love chapter and they said, it's all about love, forget the gifts. And these are full gospel people. These are not evangelical cessationists. Full gospel people who love God, sincere. They love Jesus as much as me or more. But I submit to you respectfully that they're wrong. They're completely wrong. It doesn't say that. It says, but earnestly desire the greater gifts. And I will show you a still more excellent way. And I realized something. I will show you still a more excellent way. That is a dual pursuit. Pursuing the love of God and earnestly desiring the greater gifts. Have God never meant for those two pursuits to be decoupled from each other. I don't know everything about this, certainly. But I have found that now that I have seen this and I begin to do this, when the love of God comes and I'm combining with it, in essence, this deep hunger for the movings of God's Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, power comes more quickly. And not only that, my motive straight now. Because I'm going to glory my weakness again and be transparent. I, I'm just going to get over this. Okay. I would like for y'all to be impressed with me spiritually. I really would. We already are. Thank you. You know, and, and, but it's a real guilt issue with me. And it has been since I was 14 years old. I've tried to get over it. But I can't. I can't. I've tried. I've, I've tried. I've done everything. I've prayed every prayer. But when I start seeking God to love you guys more, that gets pushed aside. And why do I want the power of God then? Because I love you more. And because I see His love for you. And it breaks my heart. And then wanting to look good is really shoved aside. My little insecurities are, are just stupid at that point. They mean nothing. So I want to glory in that, confess it to you that, that I have that weakness. Just so you'll know. I'm an insecure little guy up here. I'm a little Mephibosheth. And I'm going to prophesy to you all about Mephibosheth in just a minute. And I am one. I'm, I'm broken up. But I'm getting fixed. I really am. I'm getting fixed, man. It's taking me a minute, but I'm getting fixed. It's taking me a while. Okay. So that, that dual pursuit of the love of God and the power of the Spirit are always meant to be coupled together. I'm going to read you all some wonderful notes here. <laughs> Actually, the wonderful note I'm going to read you is by, uh, by Brother Kenneth Wiest. If you, you've heard of Kenneth Wiest, a Greek scholar, real man of God, and I thought this was wonderful. It's it's about love. It's about unfeigned love. It's You may have read it before so if you guys read after Kenneth Wiest. But what he talked about was the love of 1 Corinthians 13. And he said, it is, this kind of love, love is in its essence a self-sacrificial love, a love that puts self aside in an effort to help and bless others. Yes, 
a love that goes to the point of suffering, if that is necessary, in order to bless others. And for the highest kind of blessing, suffering is necessary. For, and he quoted, we must bleed if we would bless. Amen. Yeah, and that's something. We want the higher gifts. We want the big stuff. It's going to cost us something. Who, who did you, Somebody just said, you know, a little bit of blood's involved, man. A little bit of blood's involved. That's good. That's good for us. That helps us. When that love comes, I find myself digging in harder in prayer. Instead of I'm pursuing the gifts of the Spirit because I love them so much, in which I should love them so much, and so should you, because it's part of the nature and the character of Jesus. When I pursue that love too, that love comes and it drives me deeper into the place of prayer. When I'm tired and I don't feel like it, and I'm done, I've been praying, when that love comes, it's like, uh-uh, get in there dig a little deeper. You need the power of God. There is somebody you're going to run into. There's a little guy on an airplane you're going to talk to that needs Jesus real bad. And you need the power on you to do it. And so that love will drive us. It will not only straighten our motives out and please God more. It will drive us to attain the higher gifts. There have been men and women of God, I believe, who have obtained the higher gifts in the past. And I don't know that they got a hold of this love thing because many of them fell terribly. And I, and I bless them for, for the hard work that they, it took to attain those gifts. But this love will, will protect us in our pursuit. You guys are wanting not just a good revival and, and extra people saved. If you're extra people saved, you are wanting to like rock the whole world for Jesus. Amen. That's what y'all are wanting, right? Amen. So we got to get a hold of this love thing so we can do it right and we can do it long term. We can be old dudes passing along to these dudes and they pass along to their little dudes. You know, to where this is three and four generations deep, should the Lord tarry, this love will drive us into obtaining the higher gifts, the greater, the greater glory of God, the greater power of God, and it will sustain it for generations. If we can teach that love, if we can teach the, the pursuit of the love of God, the love of God for us, and when we get a hold of that love, we, it's easy to give it to others. That will propel us into a higher place of ministry and keep us there and cause us to grow generation to generation to generation. That's what God is after in this hour. Amen. That, that God is after... Get away from my notes again. God, God is after a generational increase. Yes. He's after Judah walking in more than his dad. Charlie, my yes. boys, and Josie walking yes. in more than me. Your kids, man, are going to walk in more than you. Yeah. Yeah. De- Devin's going to walk in more than you, man. All your kids are. You're going to walk in more than your dad, man. You guys are. Your da- you're, you're, we're going to try to outrun you guys. We're going to try to. We, we are stubborn and we're competitive and we got kind of chinks in our armor and we're kind of half crazy. And we're going to pursue that thing hard. We're chasing that golden goose of the Holy Ghost. Well, that's terrible. <laughs> Hopefully you all know what I mean. He's not. He's the love of God. I'm sorry, Lord. That's terrible. <laughs> Told you, I'm not very good at this. We're going to pursue that thing hard, yes. and we're going to try to do it better than you. Are you going to let us, Charlie? Are you going to let me outdo you in God, Josie? You going to let me outdo you in God, Devin? You're going to let you. You're going to let your daddy outdo you, aren't you? No, not a chance. I know it. <laughs> Look, guys, we're going to lay our lives down. And, and this goes for the young ladies too, just as much as the young men. Just as much girls. 
We're going to hand this thing off to y'all. We're going to pursue it until they put a toe tag on us and stick us in the ground, and we'll pass it on to you. Amen. We'll pa- and, and you're going to be so far beyond us. Uh, you know, we, Eric and I have talked about this. We're going to save our kids 25 years of stumbling in the wilderness. Yes. They're going to, you know, and you'll save your kids. No telling what they'll be. Then we'll be old dudes having a lot of fun watching these. Amen. Yeah. Okay. Note two, page two. <sighs> All right. I want to give you some word pictures. I want to do a better job. Um, let me give you a little bit of proof on something. First Corinthians twelve thirty one. Diligently desire. I earnestly desire the greater gifts, and still I will show you a more excellent way. Paul goes through beautiful, 1 Corinthians 13. Beautiful. But then he, and I've had Christian people, well many Christian people, basically X off the gifts of the Spirit because they're supposed to pursue love. And, and, they, and, and they, they, they love God, but they just missed it. That's as gently as I want to put it. Paul picks up with the next verse, with 14.1. I mean, he's just writing a letter. And I think he knows people are going to be stupid, and so he has to, the Holy Ghost has to put something else in there to help us to see it. He said, okay, pursue love now, but earnestly desire the spiritual gifts and that you may prophesy. Okay? Dual pursuits because they'll take us to a higher place. Are you guys, if I, do you see that? Is that clear to you that this is a dual pursuit? I have a very wonderful note. It really good, looked good at the time. It's cheesy now, but I'm going to say it. It's called Double Barrel Christianity. <laughs> double Barrel Christianity. Do you remember the old Double Barrels? Two triggers? Boom! Yeah. Those two pursuits are Double Barrel pursuits, man. We go after God, and I'll give you a testimony in a minute about it. We go after God with both pursuits at the same time, and the miraculous power of God comes. Word pictures. The word, and I, and I got all theological on y'all, but I think this will help. Word pictures don't pursue love. I looked it up, and the PC Bible saw a man went through every, every word study that they had, every commentary, and I boiled it down to this. This means, obviously, pursue love. Follow after love as your chief aim. Isn't that beautiful? Constant pursuit after love. Follow zealously after love. Earnestly desire, strive to possess it. I love this one. Obtain it at any cost. That's something. And a veritable chase. Had a beagle hound growing up chasing rabbits. That reminds me of this veritable chase. We chase hard after this love. We pursue it at any cost to obtain it, but not, not instead of the power of the Spirit. You've got to have both. God, He died for us to have both. All right. More word pictures. Earnestly desire the greater gifts. That earnestly desire is, this, is a Greek word that is very similar to the Greek word for zealot. Yeah. It means covet earnestly. To be deeply committed to something with accompanying desire. To be earnest. I like this one. To be completely intent upon. There's one more that I like even more. To set one's heart upon it. That means it hurts if it doesn't happen. If I have sought God for healing and my friend is not healed, somebody that I don't know is not healed, it hurts. It it digs deep. And it should dig deep because you know why? That's our summons to go back to the lover of the universe and say something's wrong. It's not on your end. It's not on your end. 
I don't receive any condemnation. For whatever reason, healing is an area I've never received condemnation for. I've been condemned on everything else, but not that. Because I, I think I've learned to go back to the lover of my soul, the lover of all mankind, the Christ who healed all. Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good to all and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Acts 10.34, God is not, he shows no favoritism. So it should dig within us. It should hurt us and we should go back to that wellspring of love and say, you're the author of this. You're the author of love. How do we get there? How do we beat this cancer the next time? Look, guys, we've all lost people. I'm sorry. I am so sorry that, that you, you fought hard and you lost them. I have to, and I hate it. And you're not to be condemned. If you called on the name of Jesus, you're to be commended as a warrior of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know that you fought hard. But don't give up, man. Don't, don't emotionally shut down on the promises of God. Don't do it. If you have, open, open back up. Open back up. It's okay to feel disappointed. It's okay to weep and feel some pain. But don't shut down on the promises of God. I'm going to brag on him. He's going to be mad at me for it, but I'm going to brag on him. Brother Keith Williamson. Y'all know Keith? Mr. Bobby Williamson was a fine man. Did not darken the door of a doctor until he had a tumor the size of a horse in his throat. Finally went in and it was too late. They did some treatments on him. To try to shrink it. And we were praying hard. We were seeking God hard. And Mr. Bobby had that he was a mechanic. He'd raised up two mechanic shops and sold them. He now had a sign shop. Mr. Bobby had a sick policy that his sick policy was when you were sick, you came to work. And when you were well, you came to work. If you didn't come to work, you needed to be at the morgue. And the man <laughs> delivered his last job to North Monroe Baptist Church on his way home. And went home and went to be with Jesus that night. Yeah. But we fought for, for Mr. Bobby. It got, and, and things were happening. The doctors were like, we can't believe you're even breathing, much less working. The opening wasn't big enough to breathe that he was working. You know, but we lost. Keith hurt. He mourned. I mourned. Went to the funeral. Guts everywhere. And Keith did something that I, you know, I respect him so much for. He said it still doesn't change anything. It still doesn't change what the Word says. It still doesn't change who Jesus is. The problem's not on Jesus' end. He didn't receive any condemnation over it either. It hurt. It hurt. Keith dug in. He emotionally went through what you go through when you lose somebody you love. He dug into God. Fast forward a few years, he's running around the planet with Jason Beard, getting to go on mission trips that I never get to go on. I'm not jealous or bitter. I told him, I said, I'm like the little beagle hound that always gets left behind and y'all get to go. No, those are my, those are my best buds. So they go, fast forward, they go to, their, to Kenya, and they're doing conferences and, and preaching to the brothers and sisters there and praying for the sick. And I get this text back. It's confirmed Jesus still heals AIDS. Keith Williamson is the first person I know to pray for somebody with full-blown AIDS. Doctor tested them, treated them for AIDS. Person's healed. Doctor tested them twice because he didn't believe the results. Healed. Since then, I think there have been eight. 
Eight or ten, like eight, I think eight or more at least that they know of, of AIDS, he and Jason have prayed for them and healed. When we go through those disappointments and we hold to our Father's goodness, we jealously hold to our Daddy's goodness, our Jesus' goodness. I say, I'm holding on. You're, you're, you're still Yahweh Rapha. You're still, you're still the Lord our healer. You, you change not. Your word is true. Faith is released and we go to that next level. We go to that next level. I'm so sorry if you lost a person. I, I am. I just can't know how, how it hurts me to know that we lose. <laughs> when it comes to healing, you have no idea. You, you guys do. I shouldn't say that. Y'all know. But let's don't give up. Let's don't give up on Jesus. He doesn't give up on us. Let's don't give up on Jesus, man. Let's pursue this thing. Because we will overtake it. God will help us overtake it. We'll go a couple more things. Eric, you talked about it. Building this altar for the fire to fall. Yeah. The first thing we need to know, our Father's goodness is our basis for our faith. Okay? That's, that's skipping over a lot, but that is the basis for our faith. And also, we can take some confidence in the fact that we know that we're following the Word. We can take some confidence that our promises of God are conditional. We, we know this. I want to invite you guys as a zealous group after the Lord to always focus on our Jesus' goodness as your basis for your faith. Okay? Don't let your focus be, have I done everything perfectly? Because you're not. <laughs> you're not. You're not. Jesus sees that weak attempt. Jesus sees the time that you started fasting at 8 o'clock in the morning and by 12 you ate like four hamburgers. <laughs> but you meant to do good. There's a lot of fasts that I have started and stopped really quickly. <laughs> I know it's a shocker. Looking at me. I'm on the trim healthy mama diet too. And you know, you've got to follow the plan for it to work. <laughs> but Jesus sees our feeble attempts. I went to a Brother David Hogan meeting some years ago. And I, I was wrapped up in lots and lots and lots of condemnation. I did not feel like anything I did was good enough. I didn't at all. And I went to the meeting. And if y'all know Brother David, he's not going to boudet and ta-ta. He is not going to make you feel better about yourself. He's going to challenge you. So I'm in this worship service. Brother David gets up there. And somewhere along the way, my father speaks to me. And he said, I don't despise the frailty of mankind. Wow. And a light came on. Like, really? And then I saw, I saw the first beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That means coming to God in the form of a pauper, hat in hand, I have nothing to offer. Here I am. Have mercy. We come to God with this overwhelming sense of our need. That you, My overwhelming sense of failing used to completely throw me off course. It now actually buoys me up because something has happened to where I have laid a hold of the Word, the written Word of God, which is living, 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What am I pursuing? The powers and the presence of the king of that kingdom. Yes. And he said, I get to have it because I acknowledge that, I'm, that, that I don't have it all together. I don't have anything together. That, isn't, that, isn't that awesome? That's awesome. Isn't that crazy? That has totally changed my perspective on life. The next beatitude. Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Yeah. We, we, that first beatitude opens up the rest of them to us. Yes. Hunger, spiritual hunger. The other beatitude, blessed are those, Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. So we're focused on our Father's love, most of all. That's our basis for our faith. Okay, one of the one of the one of the um, assignments that he gives us is to stoke and maintain spiritual hunger and grow it. That's one of them, and it gives us an awesome promise: "Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled." We hunger. What is is right is is healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the leper, casting out demons. Preaching the gospel to the poor, glory and miracles, signs and wonders. Is that righteousness? Yeah, Jesus did all that. He's our example. You better believe it. That's the only thing he did was righteous stuff. He came and he perfectly represented the Father to us. He told Philip, he said, Philip, Jesus, uh, Philip said, Jesus, just show us the Father and that'll be enough for us. Jesus said, Philip, have you been with me this long and you don't know? Father's in me and I'm in the Father. I do these works. I, I give these words because the Father's in me. And he said this to Philip. He said, if you don't believe this, and I'm paraphrasing, at least believe on the miracles themselves. Yes. Jesus, in the midst of our humanity, will give us great miracles. In the midst of our frailty, will give us great miracles. Okay? So we can hunger and thirst after righteousness and be filled in the midst of feeling so human that we're never going to make it. When I look at myself, there's just no reason God would use me. Yet He he does. He does. All kinds of stuff. Not as much as I want Him to, but way more than I deserve, I'll tell you that. And He's going to use us more, all of us. The other thing that I have found, it's I'm going to stop with this, this, this one thing in pursuit of God. I'll get to it. Oh, let me give you the promise. This is conversation with Philip. Okay. At the end of it, when he said, okay, Philip, he said, um, believe on the miracles himself if you can't believe just because I said so. All right. He said, but I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing, and he will do even greater things than these because I've gone to the Father. And he gives us a staggering promise. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. These are principles of the power of God. This is, um, sorry, John 14, 6 through 11. This is a conversation with Philip that promises in John 14, 12. I tell you the truth, anyone. The, the, the greater works promise. 
And he says the other thing that's the key. So he gives us the promise of the greater works, the greater works in Jesus. I'm just going to bashfully say it. It's intolerable not to have the greater works of Jesus after 2,000 years. It just, it just is. Guys, it just is. We should be like doing this stuff, but it's okay. We're going to get there. We are. The first promise to lean on is anything you ask in my name, I'm, I'm going to do it. All right? The second one that is so awesome, that is such a part of this, is, and it goes along with being poor in spirit, is we need a helper. Yeah. We need a helper. And Jesus, when he died, he sends, when he died and he raised again, the church era started, he sent the wonderful person of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm beginning to know him as a person. He's just awesome. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. He's awesome. All right. Keep on asking, and it will be Matthew 7, 7 through 11. Keep on asking, it will be given to you. Keep on searching, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. And he said, if you then, who are, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give what is good to those who ask Him? I'll skip some verses in the middle, but it's Matthew 7, 7 through 11. There's a promise in Luke that follows up with this same verse. There's, there's a the parable in Luke, and he said the same thing. He said, ask, it's, and the wording in there is keep asking. It's not, a, it's not a single ask. It's a repetitive thing. It's a persistence thing. We'll get to it in a minute. But keep asking. And he said he would give us his spirit. All right? Our faith in that, in that and those, in those verses, is in the part that said, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father? That's our basis of our faith. But how, how we uh, exercise that faith is by the persistent asking. All right? That word, that Greek word, if I can find it. Sorry, guys. Is... It's anienda. And in my trying to be good, a good Hebrew student guy, I looked in the Jewish New Testament commentary. There's a guy by the name of uh, Brother David Stern wrote a note on it. And he said, in his mind, this anienda means this persistence. Remember the, do you all remember the parable? Have you told it to him before? The parable of persistent going to the neighbor and he gets everything he wants because of his persistence. The word persistence is shamelessness. It's shameless persistence. It's you don't give up. It means that you social mores are out the window. You embarrass everybody and God and yourself and you persist and you persist and you persist. And I love what Brother David Stern said. He said, chutzpah is the Hebrew word. Just this abrasive thing. I'm like, that's just rude. But we're supposed, to, we're supposed to demand the good things of God because anything less than absolutely never settling for the best is an insult to our good Father. Yes. Our good Father longs to do this stuff for us. He longs to. He can't wait to do it. We're His human agents on the earth. You guys know this. And the, the promise of that scripture is true. And our response to it is chutzpah. Amen. It is shamelessness. It is brazenness. 
It is going after it. It's never given up. It is forgetting social mores. It's pursuing God like David did when he danced and he had a wardrobe malfunction. <laughs> David did not get in trouble for that. Somebody, the person who despised him did. But that's it in a nutshell, guys. That is it in a nutshell. And I want to give you all the, the word, prophetic word, I believe God is giving this church. I've got like 7,000 pages of notes. And then Monday night I'm praying. And the Lord starts talking to me. And I'm reading Amos. And, and the prophetic word doesn't come from Amos. It comes from 2 Samuel. I thought I had marked it. All right. 2 Samuel 9. It's about David and Mephibosheth. But I want to tell you how this word came about. It's really, it's really odd. God spoke to me Sunday morning, sitting in my Southern Baptist church, through my Southern Baptist pastor with a PhD in theology, fine man of God. And he read some stuff in Amos that has, I won't talk about it right yet, but it's changed me completely. It's amazing. We need to drink from different streams. Yeah. So I'm reading something about Lodabar and Amos, and I'm getting weepy. And I'm starting to shake about Lodabar. I'm starting to feel it again. I'm thinking, you know, this really sounds like an over-the-counter anti-diarrheal medicine, Lodabar. And I'm weeping and I'm shaking. And I'm all teary about this Hebrew town, Lodabar. I'm thinking something's up and I'm feeling the presence of God. And so I, I, I do my search and then I hit it, Mephibosheth. Remember Mephibosheth? Yeah. All right. Son of Jonathan's son. He's five years old. His nurse thinks that when David takes over power, he's going he's to kill him because he's an heir to the throne. David would never have done that. But the little boy falls or he's dropped or something, and it destroys his feet, basically. He's, he's a cripple. There's a kindly man by the name of Malkir. Again, be impressed, please, because it looks like Maker to me. But after my... <laughs> Astute theological observation, I have realized he is Malkir. I'm now a Hebrew theologian. Okay? Harry's going to need a medical therapy after this. So he takes him in. This, this kindly, godly man takes in this little boy to raise. And some years later, David said... He said, is there anybody left in the house of Saul that I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake? The Heavenly Father wants to show kindness for Jesus' sake. Amen. Come on, man. <laughs> and there was a servant, Ziba, and he, and he told him, he said, you know, Machir has raised him. He's living in his house. And then David sent him, brought him there. David brought him to himself. He was living in Lobo, he was living in, a, in the town of Lobodar, uh, Lodabar. I'm sorry. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and prostrated himself. And David said, to Mephibosheth, he said, "Here's your servant." Mephibosheth said, and David said to him, "Do not fear, for I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore to you the land of your grandfather Saul, and you shall eat at my table regularly." And again he prostrated himself and said, "What is your servant?" That you, reg that, that you should regard a dead dog like me. Wow. Come on, man. Mm -hmm. 
I, I, I'm a Fibbishef. And I fit this prophecy I'm about to give y'all. Because y'all have done this for me. All right? And he restored all the lands to him. And Mephibosheth ate at his table. And the king restored all of his lands to him. Y'all are nuts for taking in all of Mephibosheth's. But y'all are Mephibosheth addicts in this church. Y'all take them all in. I am a Mephibosheth. Okay? They drive me nuts. <laughs> we have issues and problems. And we can't contribute a whole lot, but yet y'all have taken them in. And the Lord began to speak to me for y'all and tell y'all, because you've taken in the Mephibosheths, and as you continue to take in the Mephibosheths, the king is coming, and he's going to restore to them everything. Their entire heritage is going to be restored to them. Folks in the street, they're, they're going to be restored. The power and the presence of Almighty God is going to come, and he is going to restore the Mephibosheths in an amazing way that is so much greater than you've ever seen. And I'm one of the first fruits of this, and, and I'll tell you how, about it in a minute. All right? So just look forward to that. Lodabar means pastureless or to drive out the flock. All right? That is basically the world. We're talking about people of the world, people who either totally backslid or they've never known Christ. The good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, still looks over the teeming masses of humanity and he sees them as a sheep without a shepherd and he's still stirred with compassion. And not only is the king coming, the good shepherd's coming to your midst too. Jesus Christ is coming to you all as the good shepherd because you have brought in those that his heart longs to bless. He longs to hold them to himself. He longs to. He loves them. And he's proud of you for doing it. He loves you for doing it. You're doing a good job of it. I'm one of them. There's another part in the story that's speaking to what God's going to do with y'all. Later on, when Absalom revolted, he was trying to take the king, the kingdom from David. David fled. He took the faithful with him. The faithful, the ones who were faithful to the king, went with David. And Machir shows up with some other of his buddies with a bunch of food, and he feeds the king, and he feeds the king's people. And right now in the body of Christ, entire denominations are turning their back on God. They're trying to supplant His authority in His own kingdom by saying that sin is okay. By denying His Lordship. But there are faithful that are hurting and that are frightened. They're coming. They're, they're still following the King, but they're frightened and they're coming and they need food. And they're going, the Lord's going to send them here to you. Denominational Christians, people from movements where they've gone awry, they're coming to you for food. And God is going to use you. And in so doing, not only will you feed them, you're going to feed the king. Because when you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Okay? So I got all Hebrew scholarly again after I was already done figuring all this out. And I looked up Lodabar again. And there's another meaning and it means no word. No word. And it's a derogatory statement saying they don't have any enlightenment. They're ignorant. It's another, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbeliever. They're out in Lodabar, but they're coming in. You guys are going to feed them, Amen. teach them. Amen. That stuff's going to be straightened out. Amen. Yeah, The king is coming and the good shepherd is coming. 
All right, Malkir looked up his name, and it means salesman. I'm a, I'm, a repre- I'm a salesman with my company. I'm a representative. When you guys do your stuff, when y'all heal the sick, and I say when, when you raise the dead, when you cleanse the lepers, when you cast out demons, you're going to be representing Jesus. Y'all are a Malkir in this story. You are going to represent Jesus well. He's a salesman, and it means sold as well. You guys are going to be sold out. Amen. Totally sold out to Jesus. You're going to represent him well. And I'm some of the first fruits of the Mephibosheth. You guys have taken me in. You've loved me. You've done this for me. Thank you. And you've shown confidence in me. And for somebody like me with the foibles and junk that I've got, it means the world. And I've, I've had great healing. My life has changed since our prayer meeting. I've changed. I mean, I've changed. I, I'm, my little Mephibosheth feet are starting to straighten out. I'm starting to walk on my own now. Yeah. Yeah. The Lord has revived me the first things. Thank you, Jesus.